What's up, YouTube? We are talking tendinopathy and uh, understanding golfer's elbow today. So if you've been suffering uh, like I have, I've had it in the past, and this is the man that helped me get through it, then you're not going to want to miss this episode. So stick around because we're going deep. Hi everyone, in case we haven't met, my name's Rad Burmeister. I'm one of the co-founders of Unity Gym and co-creators of the UMS, the Unified Movement System, where we take driven people and turn them into superhumans. And the reason we get such amazing results with our members and our online community is that we've created a program that has a balance between strength and flexibility. If you want to know how we do it, you can get started by downloading one of our free blueprints, either the flexibility blueprint, the strength blueprint, or the nutrition blueprint. All are linked in the description of this video. As always, I'm joined by physio and all-round good guy, Phil White. How are you, buddy? Very well. Yeah, this is, a, this is a big one, I think. Like, this has been a long time coming. I've sort of stalled a bit on it because it's uh, kind of such a big topic that I really want to get right. But I think today is a good time to just get into the discussion about it. Um, yeah, golf elbow is huge in, in this gym. And I know in the online community, it's the most, it's the most popular uh, episode, like Injury, video, yeah. well, video oh, on, yeah, the, video, on the yeah, Unity page. Yeah, the yeah. Um, old program that Yanni put together about four years ago for it has got over 170,000 views. So there's clearly a lot of people out there who, you know, want to know how to get through this. And so I'm excited to kind of do a bit of an update. And uh, today we'll go through, um, I guess, a bit of a recap on the tendopathy <laughs> and how it, it differs between lower body and upper body and, and yeah, the way to get through this. So, yeah, mm, it's awesome. going to be good. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's get straight into it. Um, talk us through it, Phil. What's, uh, how does it differ from uh, lower body and upper body? Yeah, so if you remember from earlier in the week, the big things about tendinopathy is it's, it's, it's always coming down to a load management issue. And so when you're thinking about load management, it's basically uh, you can look at macro load and micro load. So macro load is basically how much training you're doing. Are you, uh, you know, uh, going to the gym lots? You also, do you have a manual job as well? Maybe you're, um, you know, doing yoga as well, where you may not think of it as like a gym training, but you're loading up your forearms quite a lot. All of those things that accumulate and become your big sort of macro loading of that structure. So um, that's really key for tendinopathy. And it's often these big changes that we do that end up causing us grief. So your body kind of will adapt to things over time, but ten tendons especially take a little bit more time than your muscles to adapt. So it's really key to understand that the big reason why tendinopathy happens is because you uh, overload. So um, that's the number one key thing to remember. And so when I said there was macro loading, so that's that big picture sort of stuff. And then there's also micro loading as well as about how you um, load up, if you think kind of more the biomechanics of how you're loading up that structure. So um, yeah, there's also micro loading things that come into it. So for the knee, it came down to if you're getting into positions of um, extra, like excessive knee bend where you're getting compression and um, loading. So with the forearm, we'll go into a bit of that as well. So um, with in terms of the things that really set off tendinopathy, as I mentioned in the earlier in the week, people may have forgotten because they might have been wowed by Ben Pikelski's uh, great <laughs> talk in the weekend. I loved being in and listening to that. Um, but the big things that really set it off is that um, energy storage and release, so which is basically using your tendons like springs, um, which you can imagine is probably a bit different in the um, forearms as it is to the lower body. So mm -hmm. it becomes like a slightly, um, this is one thing where it really varies, where your Achilles is almost like a big spring and your um, patella to some extent is as well. But whereas, unless you're probably um, Simon Monster or uh, Daniel Vandenel doing those crazy jumping, um, you know, yeah, yeah, stalls yeah. on the <laughs> landing on their arms, it's unlikely that in the forearm we're doing quite as much of that energy storage and release. 
but uh, the compression component as well, which um, aggravates tendinopathies, really comes into the forearms. So, yep. um, yeah, yeah cool. so that's that big picture. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Well, it's a bit of, a, of an injury. Um, mm. I was speaking to one of our members this morning who was presenting with uh, early symptoms of tendinopathy. He was talking about how he was getting pain up his arm uh, on the outside when he was yeah. doing deadlifting. And um, I was talking to him about this concept of, uh, um, you know, how, how long it takes for the tendons to actually uh, go through a, a phase of adaptation mm. from, um, you know, in reaction to the stimulus of uh, lifting weights, um, which is just so hard for so many for people to understand. And it's something that I didn't even understand yeah. until recently. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think if you can get it early, you know, my advice, and we'll see what you say. But if you start to feel those symptoms, try to don't you don't not don't stop, but try to reduce the load so that you're not getting worse, um, and allow those tendons to go through that adaptation, allow it to take its time and and, and catch up. Yeah, that adaptation time is key um, because it 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 really does uh, impact it how quickly you'll be able to get into um, into moving forward in your training because you get strong quite quickly from neural adaptations that I've talked about before. So basically being able to engage larger, mo larger motor units, which motor units are um, parts of your muscle that, um, you, yeah, basically if you have uh, a flight or flight sort of situation or um, a whole lot of different factors, take, having coffee, caffeine, these kind of things can mean that you can um, unlock some strength that's always there, but just by neurally you can um, tap into that. And one of the first things that happens really relevant for these guys who are doing their 28 day intensive here at the gym is that um, when you start training, that's the first thing that kicks off and you start to get much stronger just from like yeah, getting used to uh, actually, yeah, um, exactly. Activity, yep. So you get this huge increase in strength, um, but your tendons have been kind of used to whatever load you've been putting them through, which for, you know, a lot of yeah, people, if you adapted at all. Yeah, yet. exactly. Yeah. So they're not at all adapted to putting load through. And then suddenly you, you're getting all this extra muscular strength. And then instead of, you know, maybe one day a week, if that kind of doing some guilt push-ups, so that would be the only load you're kind of getting through your forearms and then coming into doing, you know, people went like human nature is such that you, when you get excited about something, you go pretty hard. So going from, you know, maybe one session a week to five a week, um, can be quite intense. So it is that uh, the connective tissue there, your tendon, that really can take a little while to um, catch up. So that's why with, with the gym, it's a real, you know, it's all about kind of thinking, having that long-term thinking and slowly building things up instead of, you know, maybe like a typical CrossFitter, well, a, some CrossFit approach, which would be like, yeah, go as hard as you possibly can, get your sweat on, like you're going to lose weight by working hard. Like, mm, yeah, mm, it, it, it's, that's where <laughs> there lies injury. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I think, um, you know, I think the first thing that I'd say in this talk is the, be the best thing to understand is to try to identify these things before they become a problem and before it, it becomes a really big issue. And it's, like I was talking to this to our member this morning and it's, it's probably one of the hardest things that people go through because I certainly went through it which is this idea where you you know you have this goal you want to be able to do like for me it was a one-arm pull-up I, I really wanted to get uh, to a one-arm pull-up and so I started doing all the programming for it and working towards it and I could feel myself getting stronger and stronger and stronger and I was getting there and then when the symptoms of golfer's elbow started coming on I was like well fuck this you know I'm getting stronger you know I must be able to get through this if I keep going yeah. whereas the solution unfortunately is that you 
have to just allow those strength increases that you that you initially felt to take a back seat, and you've now just got to kind of let everything. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the word that starts with C, where everything comes together and comes together? Uh, that's not <laughs> it. Um, anyway, maybe it'll come to me in a minute. Yeah. Um, uh, but but basically, you you just need to allow uh, to allow all this strength and everything that you've been working on to um, coalesce. It's, um, yeah, man, Combine as, as soon as it as soon as it <laughs> yeah as soon as I it get, comes. Get the support. Um, yeah. But it, it needs to um, it, it basically you know your whole body needs to needs to adapt. It's not yeah. it's not just that ability to produce the strength, the connective tissue and everything, which I really didn't understand until I got tendonitis, mm. tendinopathy. Um, I didn't understand the way it all worked and the way that everything uh, went through this adaptation. Um, and if, if you can do that, if you can understand it, if you can accept that, you know, you've got these big strength goals and if you can just allow your body to, you know, adapt to where, which means that you've kind of got to, um, put the brakes on from just getting stronger and stronger and stronger every week and, and, and just do some consistent training and allow yeah. that volume to produce the results in the, in the tendons and everything, then you can avoid it in yeah, the first place. hundred percent. And that's why I'm so glad that we're doing, um, this off the back of the goal setting in the first week of this year. And then I think a lot of the pain science stuff is pretty relevant to this, but particularly that goal setting, if you have that kind of long-term thinking in mind, then it's much easier to slow things down a little bit um, and just kind of think about, you know, there's no point in if your goal is to do a pull up by the end of the year and then uh, by the end of January or by the end of February, you've given yourself like an injury that stops you from training for three months um, or yeah, then you're not going to get that goal. But if you can slowly build things up and, you know, 1% a day ends up being 365% by the end of the year, like it's pretty huge differences by just going out really slowly and giving your time, um, your body time to adapt. Well, it's really different, and it and it all like it. It means that sometimes, because you know, so many times the markers for success with weightlifting are that each workout you put a little bit more weight on the bar, and I think that the, you know when you if you feel this on like my advice to Will this morning, and what I would say to anybody now, um, if you're deadlifting and you get to a point where you start feeling pain down the forearms, my advice would be back the weight off just a little bit, experience allow yourself to experience a little bit of pain but stay at that same weight for several weeks and go like just allow your body to adapt to that and just build up some tolerance to it and then go up um slowly from there yeah i think you'd be familiar with like coach summer's work i imagine from of course, yeah, yeah yeah so very um he's a ex-us team gymnastics yeah. coach and yeah he like he has one way of um like his kind of strength training method is you basically um give someone a weight that's quite challenging and then they work up until the point where that weight is just so easy that they can do it for 20 reps and then they do like another significant jump and then yeah. do it for 20 reps. And like, I mean, do it for like, you know, it might be up to three months where you just get so comfortable. Your body has that time to adapt to um, that stimulus and then you move on to the next. Now, I think I'm not 100% on board with his way of doing it. Like he does yeah. really quite big jumps and I think there's sort of certain um, ups and downs, which is probably another episode, but um, yeah, I think that idea of just being comfortable doing that same weight for a while, like, and getting, you know, having that, those different markers. So instead of necessarily like the, what number you're lifting, um, like the, the, how much weight's on there, maybe it's how you feel while you're doing it. Maybe it's, you know, like the, the ease in which you can do it, the, like doing it more reps, reducing your, um, rest time, all those other things that you can find these, this tangible feedback to feel like you're improving, but instead of completely overloading your system for the sake of like that dopamine hit. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, sorry, Cracked Glass is asking, is the word co- coagulate? It's it's not. Plenty it's, of C words though, hey? Um, <laughs> um, That's all right. We'll move on. Anyway, um, so... Um, yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's totally it, against human nature, though. Hey, like you just want to. Yeah, you just want to keep putting weight on, and yeah. you want to just keep getting better, and that's what I did, and and it and it just killed me, it destroyed me, because uh, I got to a point with my golfer's elbow where I was proper fucked. I could not grab onto a barbell and even uh, even initiate the first sort of fifteen percent of elbow flexion in a pull up. It was just agony. Uh, and it stopped me dead in my tracks. Uh, it's one of the most frustrating um, injuries I've ever had. And uh, yeah, that would, so, that, so that's the first thing. If you start to feel the onset of it, you need to seriously reevaluate what you're doing with your training, reevaluate your goals. And you need to, like I would say, the, the biggest thing you need to do is you need to take a breath and say, I am not going to achieve that goal as quickly as I thought I would. And you need to become at peace with it because if you don't, you are going to wreck yourself. And once you accept that, once you first say, okay, this thing that I thought I was going to do in three months, it is now going to be more like a year. And you you just accept that where you're at right now is you're not at the point of conditioning the muscles and the nervous system to get stronger. You're at the point of conditioning the tendons. And if 100%. you can do that, maybe you can avoid the tendinopathy which, in the first place. Yeah, which might seem really demoralizing, but then you can always see injuries as opportunities to work on some other areas of your training. So, you know, instead of just being hell-bent on getting that one-arm pull-up, then, you know, you went into probably doing a bit more lower body stuff. Like, oh, it, and, it, it made me more flexible than I've ever been this because week I went you into did your, flexibility This training, week yeah. you did your, you know, Van Damme splits between, uh, what's it, what do you call that move again? Uh, oh, the Van Damage, the um, the, yeah. the deficit straddle up. Yeah, so he's mm. got a deficit straddle up, which if you haven't seen, he's um, going on Instagram and check out the video of um, Rad doing it early in the week. Like that's a massive achievement, and you know maybe if he'd just gone on that one armed uh, like uh, pull up question and all else had kind of fallen away, then you know if he just got like oh I can't do a one arm pull up, I can't get my goals, so I'm not gonna like, yeah. and then you know tap yeah. out of training, then you wouldn't have you know, been able to get that amazing. No, that's um, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, there's different ways to do it. But it's not just that. It's like you have to, um, you know, if if you're, if all you're training, all you're doing is training for, um, uh, you know, a quick fix and like a short term goal, then you're you're not watching a channel that really supports that. Um, We're all about longevity and about training uh, for, 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 um, yeah, yeah, a longer life of training. And which I, a hundred percent find really hard. Like I'm someone who just wants to get out there and I mean, like I'm the same. push hard. I'm the same, but I, I've had to learn how to yeah, do it, exactly. man. Because it's in a, the last couple of years, yeah. I just had in, like I had a couple of really bad injuries that caused me to re- reshape myself. Um, look, we've got a couple of questions in here, yeah. which I, I just I, want I, to acknowledge I, that it is hard, and we're not just like you should do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, right. I've gone through it. I've yeah. gone through it myself, and you have to like. So, crack glasses is saying, um, is the pain due to inflammation of the tendon, or does the tendon itself get torn? So, at what we're talking about right now, the onset of it, and Phil can can correct me in a sec. The onset of it is actually not tendinopathy, is it? That's actually where it's tendonitis. Is that right? Where it's uh, I think we're just gonna get uh, our kind of words right here. We're throwing tendonitis out. We're just leaving that one behind okay, because right. basically, uh, 
where like the, it, initially they called it tendonitis because they thought it was this big inflammatory process and yep. um, that was kind of it. And then so um, it went down the kind of, and then they sort of thought, oh no, it's a degenerative change. So kind of like arthritis for your tendons, so we'll call it tendinosis. And I think just like, let's just like not use those words at all because yep. basically it becomes a bit irrelevant. It's just tendinopathy. So, so we're calling it tendinopathy. Of, of, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so basically what, as I've talked about before, there's um, all of your structures have a uh, capacity. So think about it like a bucket and then you have your, the load in which you put on it. You can think about um, like how much tap you're turning on in, um, yeah, turning on a tap. So basically, if you have conditioned your body to with hand, like to do a one arm pull up, you're going to need a bloody big bucket because you're turning on that tap super strong. So, but if you've just got in training and like, or for you, you know, you're you're turning on that tap really strong, and maybe the the bucket, so your capacity wasn't quite big enough, and then you overflow, and that is what we'd call an abusive load. So basically, tendinopathy starts from an abusive load being where your body's like, hey, this is too much, we can't handle this amount of, of load, or, you know, which might be one big intense sort of thing, or it might be accumulation of, you know, if you were working on the tools after you do two training sessions a day and then you're on the tools, the plumber, and you're twisting pipes and like that kind of, even though it might be lower level, that accumulation can be another way of turning on that tap so your bucket overflows and you get that abusive load. Yep. So then you get this really complicated pathway of, um, you know, infl both inflammatory processes um, and some other things that basically try and reinforce that area by sending down lots of uh, collagen fibers that maybe don't quite like, think of it kind of like a scab. Um, not quite like that, but it basically it's it, you're sending the fibers that if they were all lined up perfectly, they would make the structure stronger. But because of this like kind of response from the body, it's basically just trying to patch up the area. And then to get past that, it, it takes a gradual sort of like a reduction, getting underneath that threshold of like that you know abusive load, and then by loading up that tendon, encouraging that kind of patchwork to realign and become strong tendon again. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, so it's not exactly, like there is an inflammatory component to tendinopathies, not, but that's somewhat debate, like it's a bit of a debated topic. And then it's not exactly the tendon getting torn per se, like a muscle tear, but it's, you can imagine these fibers that are non-contractile have got kind of overloaded. And then there's a, the, this tendinopathy process, which is a, it's sort of its own thing. Yeah. yeah. So to, to, to bring that into a more simplified um, explanation maybe that, that you guys, our users, can uh, really ab absorb and, and understand is that I think the words that Phil used there, abusive load, is the really important thing to hone in on. Because let's talk about what I was doing, um, w which was working on pull-ups. So my strength is going up. You know, one week I can do um, five pull-ups and the next week I can do six pull-ups and then the next week I add um, five kilos and I can do five pull-ups and then the next week I can do six pull-ups with five. So my strength of the muscles and everything is going up, but the tendons aren't going through that same um, adaptation and the abuse on the well, tendons they is They are, but slower. Much slower, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're not catching, they haven't caught up yet. So the abusive load going into those tendons is more and more and more and more. So you have to, when you're feeling those symptoms that are coming on, um, you have to respect that your, as you, the strength of your muscles is going up, your tendons haven't caught up and you need to back off and allow that time for the adaptation to occur. Because it, it will happen if you give it yep. like a an adequate stimulus. Like yep. it'll happen over time, but it just, yeah, it, it just takes... Yep. And that's what happened to yep. me. It took, uh, yeah, the backing off, uh, yeah, and it, and it did work. So... Yeah. And the reason I went kind of into that, I guess, fairly... I tried to, you know, make it a bit understandable there, but I think it's un important to understand that it's 
like if it was just inflammation, then you know people would treat it like you would any other sort of inflammatory thing mm. with like, well, actually now it's gone away from rest, ice, compress, and elevate to peace and love. But that could be a whole another episode of mm. which is the new. You, you don't actually ice inflame, inflame things, but again, rabbit hole uh, yeah. that I'm going <laughs> to try and avoid. But yeah, so it, like it's not just an inflammatory process. When you settle down, it will be back to normal because it's going through these changes that, that we then you know put in the umbrella term of tendinopathy. And yeah, again, it's not that one test. I think it's really important to understand that it, it really, the way that you get past tendinopathy is by treating it like a tendinopathy. And if you treat it like inflammation or you treat it like a muscle tear, then you won't get very far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think considering the amount of uh, the idea that you were saying this is probably going to be a couple of shows and uh, the amount of uh, information that there is for this, I think we should probably save the how you actually now treat the tendinopathy um, for the next show. What, well, what I think, think we'll go a bit into the, the kind of basics so we can give that overview of how okay. to do it. And then maybe for the next show, we can go into, uh, you know, like a an example of a program that or okay. you know an example yeah, of sure, how you sure. work okay. together. So this is so we've we've covered what it is now and what you can do to prevent it if you feel. One thing the we didn't actually say it. is what because uh, you were talking about the member of the gym who had the pain on the outside yep. of the arm. We haven't actually talked about what golfer's elbow is in particular versus tennis elbow, which is mm -hmm. maybe an important place to kind of go here. So instead of tennis and golfer's elbow technically we'd call it you know medial elbow tendinopathy and lateral elbow tendinopathy and basically uh golfers is the medial one so on the inside of your arm there um it's where you feel which it is, right in here yeah basically up into underneath the elbow for all those podcast listeners um and then the tennis elbow is on the outside of the arm so if you were to stand up against a wall, it'd be the bit that's kind of yep. standing up against, um, hitting up against the wall so um just to be quite clear there's two different very different things and um yeah, that's uh, what um, it is. And you might have heard some other names for it, which is like epicondylalgia or the epicondylitis, all of these things are the same thing. And basically, it's the uh, common flexor origin. So all the muscles that uh, flex your wrist and flex your fingers and, and move your hands, they are in the forearm. So um, most of them come up and attach into just below your elbow there in what's called your common flexor origin. And that origin is basically where the muscles attach into the bone. And when muscles attach into bone, that's what a tendon does. It's a muscle attachment to a bone, which is different to a ligament, which is bone to bone. And then on the outside, you've got a common extensor origin, and that's the common place for um, your tennis elbow or the lateral elbow tendinopathy. Yeah. And generally speaking, the, um, the golfer's elbow is, uh, in, in the gym at least, is, is usually more felt when you're in a supinated position. Uh, yeah, it's certainly. Uh, and pulling, is that was? Is it that certainly right? can be. So often it's an overload of pulling, but then people will really find it as well when they're going into sort of handstand positions yep. because you, when you go into that wrist and finger extension, you're yep. getting a stretching, like a stretch through yep. uh, that muscle, which when you put quite a lot of... But in that lot, stretch position, you're trying to flex, you're trying... Yeah, to but even, you know, like yeah. passively as well, yep. if you're going into a very heavily loaded in a handstand, even though you're meant to be fairly active, yeah, yeah. like that's quite intense for, yep. and you're um, putting a lot of force through sort of end range mm -hmm. there and when we talked about compression before when you get into muscles that are stretching that can cause that um compression that i talked about which is mm -hmm. quite aggravating for um uh yeah for tendinopathies so yep. uh that's yeah commonly what when you feel it so you get the anything where you're really pulling hard um bicep curls pull-ups all of those things are generally your medial elbow whereas um 
yeah, the lateral elbow is uh, with finger extension. And yeah, sometimes that can be with like when you're doing grip like a deadlift, you're getting that kind of like stretch and over um, when you're bending your fingers into flexion, then you're loading up those muscles in a somewhat stretched position and that can kind of set it off. Um, Yeah, but the reason actually why, I think it's kind of interesting to know why they are called golfers and tennis because it's quite different to what, you know, when you think about golf and tennis, you don't think massive pulling or handstands Mm -hmm. or whatever, but basically if you're doing a backhand in tennis, um, the muscles also act as a shunt for the elbow joint, which basically means help keep the joint together. Um, So when you're uh, gripping really hard on the racket and hitting the ball, it's doing all these kind of different jobs and stretched over the uh, fingers. And then it's also trying to keep the elbow from gapping when you've got this like strong force at the end of a long lever. Um, And that, is a way in which like the um, elbow issues are uh, uh, pretty different to the lower body where you've got this sort of extra shunting action, which is just this like whole other load that you've got to try mm-hmm. and deal with as well, which can come like things. And, and with golf, the golf swing, you're getting exactly that same thing, really long lever. Um, so you're getting quite a lot and you're applying a force to the end of that. And basically your medial um, tendon of these are um, gonna be from that shunting plus grip plus um, stretch, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not sure if this is like way too much detail for people, but I think it's um, really important to understand, um, which is going to be how we're going to be working through this going forward is understanding all the different ways in which you um, aggravate tendinopathies and how to avoid them while still loading up the tendon and, and strengthening it. And I think it also helps to understand why maybe for these, we don't just get in there and uh, you know massage the area because as I talked about so much with tendinopathies, if you... Uh, it, they can get quite angry from compression. So like we did a bit of manual therapy for um, like to help with yours, but that was always working on the forearm muscles far below the actual origin mm-hmm. site. And the origin site can get pretty angry if you um, mm-hmm. get into there. So you can see how it's really important to understand when we're loading it, how we can load it in the best way to make it strong without aggravating it. Yep. Yeah, cool. All right, are we ready for the uh, key insight for today? Mate, it's all key insight. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just dropping insights all over the place here. So The, the key insight <laughs> that uh, I want you to take away from today, the key insight for dealing with golfer's elbow and tennis elbow is to try to prevent it before it actually gets to a point where it becomes really bad. So, And the way you do that is that when you experience the onset of the pain and discomfort when you're doing exercises, so either on the inside of your forearms or the outside, You need to recognize what the abusive load that you're doing is and try to scale it back a little bit. Try to either scale back the load or scale back the intensity or the volume. There's all different things that you can do, but you do not stop doing what, uh, you do not stop exercising. You do not stop stimulating those, uh, those muscles from being used. And if you can do that then and gradually build up the tolerance of the tendons then uh, you know to catch up to the muscles and to catch up to the nervous system then hopefully you can prevent yeah. yourself from getting and so that's such a key point that we haven't uh that do not stop is such a key um point that we talked quite a lot about with the knee but yeah if you when i talked about that capacity and load the bucket and the tap analogy if you totally turn off that tap then your bucket's going to shrink down to a itty bitty little bucket mm-hmm. and then as soon as you try and get back into all this cool training you're doing it's going to really struggle so yeah. as we go into the exercise program to trying to get over this you'll see that it is really all about just loading up your tendons to the right sort of point. So just quickly go through, um, Scott West has said, just went to see my physio two hours ago for this and yes, I need to back off. Well identified. Um, Dog Russoes, I struggle in pointing my elbow pits forward during exercises like push-ups or planches. There is no information about uh, this 
issue out there. Um, yeah, do you feel, are you feeling like golfer's elbow pain or um, tendinopathy pain while you're doing it? Is that the limiting factor or is it uh, more the coming from your shoulder or maybe even sort of your wrist mobility there? Be good to get a bit more information and we can maybe mm. talk to that uh, in the next Yeah, episode. maybe we can answer a bit of that. Yeah, just leave episode, a comment yeah. about what's holding you back because that can kind of come from a whole bunch of different things and it's unclear there if there's pain involved with that. Um, and it said, and Scott's just said, oh, yes, that's why it's flared up doing from doing the more handstands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's definitely a, so, yeah. So up. it's, so hopefully you can kind of see how start to identify maybe areas in which you, um, you know, like for, for some people with lateral elbow tendinopathy, it might be, they play a lot of, um, uh, computer games and it's that clicking, like that's yeah. a really common yeah, one, yeah. which can set it off. So hopefully this information can just help you sort of identify parts of, like times in your life when you don't really realize you're even kind of overloading things and you actually are for sure sure. all right thanks for tuning in everyone uh we're going to bring this one in for a landing on monday uh with the tendinopathy and um we'll have some other juicy stuff to talk about next week so make sure you tune in where we're going to talk about strategies for uh how you can keep sending those questions in yeah yeah that's right yeah and uh check out the podcast that i've been putting up every day um any subscriptions would be uh and especially reviews on apple Podcasts would just be huge for us kind of getting it off the ground so Um, Yeah, please do that. Awesome. (laughs) Have a good weekend, everyone. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.